welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Good morning. We are uh, at the end of the ninth step before the promises is a very special part of the big book for me because I feel like it guides my living amends to my family. And um, anyone who says that the big book doesn't talk about living amends um, may have skipped or forgotten or never read uh, page 82 and 83. To me, it's the most important reading of my um, family, you know, the way I behave with my family, my wife, my kids. Let's read it at the bottom of page 82. I just want to pray. Please, God, help me to set aside this morning everything I think I know about this reading, especially because of. I've read it so many times and I've quoted it and I've texted it and told people to read it. I just want to put aside what I think I know about it, what I think I know about me, what I think I know about the steps, about living amends, about you, God, so I could be open while I read this to having a new experience with the steps, with the book, with myself and with you. Amen. Page 82. Um, If we have no such complications, there is plenty we should do at home. So we just finished talking about how to make amends for all sorts of different, you know, infidelity, um, money, we owe money, um, alimony, all sorts of different things. Um, But even if we have no such complications, we're just straight up in recovery for addiction. There's plenty we should do at home. Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is keep sober. Certainly he must keep sober, for there will be no home if he doesn't. But he is yet a long way from making good to the wife or parents whom for years he had so shockingly treated, passing all understanding as the patient is the patient's Mothers and wives have had with alcoholics. Had this not been so, many of us would have no homes today, would perhaps be dead. Right there already, it's already giving me a lot of instructions. That staying sober is a long way from making amends. Yeah, I can't make amends if I'm not staying sober, but sobriety itself is not the amends. Number two, it already tells me that the patience that my wife has, that my parents had, is beyond imaginable. And I need to appreciate that and internalize that. And that in some ways, I would have been dead a long time ago. Next paragraph. The alcoholic is like a tornado. 
I, Shem, I am a tornado who has roared my way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept my home in turmoil. We feel a man is not thinking when he says that sobriety is enough. He's like a farmer who comes out of his cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. To his wife, he remarks, I don't see the anything, I don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Isn't it grand the wind stopped blowing? So obviously the uh, story is that you have a guy who has a beautiful farm. The tornado comes, destroys the farm. Meanwhile, the, the farmer and his wife and the family had to go hide in the cellar so that they shouldn't get killed in the cyclone. And when he comes up, his farm is completely ruined. And he's like, oh, look, it stopped, the wind stopped blowing. So the cyclone's over. As if nothing happened. Like, dude, your your farm is destroyed. Oh, look, I'm sober. I'm not drinking anymore. I don't. I haven't masturbated in 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 two months. Why is my wife still angry? I mean, man, any of us who have long who have worked with sponsees know that this resentment is is newcomer resentment number one. Why is my wife still angry at me? Goodness freaking gracious. And we've been guilty of it ourselves. Page 83, top of the page. Yes, there is a long period of reconstruction ahead. Reconstruction means we have to rebuild that farm we destroyed. Hurricane Shim came through town and we have to rebuild. Yes, there is a long period of reconstruction ahead. We must take the lead. A remorseful mumbling that I'm sorry doesn't fit the bill at all. I apologized already. What's her problem? That's a remorseful mumbling that we're sorry. We ought to sit down with the family and frankly analyze the past as we now see it, being very careful not to criticize them. Well, you know, it wasn't easy staying sober with you. Uh, that's blaming them. Being very careful not to criticize them. Well, I know, here's, here's my favorite newcomer uh, blame. I know it's my fault and I own it, but um, you should know that it was because you, in the same sentence, I'm not blaming you. I have to, I own it, but it's because you, blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. The 12 and 12 says that as far as uh, the word blame is concerned, we must take it out of our vocabulary. It's gone. We No more. Yes, their defects may be glaring, uh, but the chances are that our own actions are partly responsible. And my favorite blame of all time, you were this way before I married you. Don't blame my sexaholism for your craziness. You were this way before I married you. Yes, my wife came into marriage with a lot of typical SNN issues that made my unhealthiness comfortable to her. Let's not beat around the bush. And you know what else happened? If, if I was the person I made believe I was, and if I was the person she thought I was, and if I was the person like I shared last week, 
guess how much healing she could have had from all that with a sober, emotionally sober version of me. It could have been a new beginning. And I not only did the things I did wrong, but I also helped make all that stuff worse. So I stay far, far away from the you were this way before I married you uh, uh, excuse. Um, their defects may be glaring, but the chances are that our own actions are partially responsible. So we clean house with the family. How do we do that? Right here it says, we ask every morning in meditation that our creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. And I'm going to go on the record and make an, a, and make a, uh, a, a, um, um, and admit and admit publicly that if you said to me, Shim, when is the last time you sat quietly in meditation in the morning and said to your creator, God, please show me the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love with my family, with my wife, patience, tolerance, kindness, love. Now, in my defense, I do live with these four um, living amends consciously every single day. Um, there are four things that I pray for every day. And um, one of them is for my marriage, that I'd be able to not fight with my wife. One of them is for my anger, that I not lose my temper with my family. Um, and one of them is lust, obviously. And one of them is that I not eat like a pig. So, but, but, so I, I do, in my way, do this. But imagine if we ask God every morning in meditation that he show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. And, and people say there's no living amends in the big book. <laughs> um, next paragraph. <clears throat> the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it unless one's family expresses a desire. So wait one second. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. That means spiritual life is a theory means um, I read the big book. I go to meetings. <clears throat> I have even done a, um, a workbook on the steps. But if we take surveillance video of my life, I'm still crazy. I'm still jealous. I'm still honking people on the road. I'm still um, passing them up when they go too slow and, and, and um, giving the finger to the car next to me and smacking my kids and, and not being home to help out when my wife is busy. And, 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 and you know, I had a sponsee once who, um, who went Friday afternoon. Her, his wife is, is trying to bathe the kids finish preparations for cooking, uh, last minute sweeping, and he would go play football with fellowship. And he said, I have to, it's for my self-care. The therapist said I have to do self-care and, um, and guys are playing football, so I go play football. And uh, are you crazy? That's the epitome of selfishness. Right. 
That's so what this. I'm sure his wife was. I'm sure his wife was happy that he went to play football. <laughs> I should have asked her first before I told him to stay home. I hear that. Uh, not all men are wanted. I get that. And um, no, if he guy, had that attitude, I'm sure right, he was right, happy. Right. Right. Well, well, that's the point. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. We have to live it. Yes. In sobriety, I have slept on the couch a few times. And I have a choice to, to, to lay there and, and, and miserable and resentful. I don't deserve this. I'm five years sober. Or I could lay there and close my eyes and feel wrapped up in God's grace and know that, that this too shall pass and that God is guiding me and he, and he hasn't taken me this far just to take me this far and that my wife is going through whatever she's going through and it's okay and we're going to be okay. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. That's living the first three steps, doing a fourth and fifth step. Either, you know, I, I, you know last, last Wednesday, I met with my sponsor. I talked to him about this whole thing about, you know, um, my anxiety going over to newcomers because I can't really be available. And we did a fears inventory. And we went through it. And we're still talking about, it. you know, it's like it's we have to live it. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it unless one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles. We think we ought to not urge them. If only my wife went to Essanon. My favorite was there was a guy in Lakewood who <clears throat> complained that the reason why every, every bad thing in his life was because his wife didn't go to Essanon. And everybody else's wife goes to Essanon. That's why they don't fight. And everyone else's wife goes to Essanon. That's why they're sober. Everyone else's wife goes to Essanon. That's why they have sex. Anyway, one day this guy's wife went to Essanon. And then came the next six months of whose dumb idea was this? Pardon my French. Every meeting he would say, fuck Essanon. <laughs> my wife's worse than she ever was. <laughs> you know what happened? He urged her to live upon spiritual principles. And the big book says, unless one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles, we think we ought not urge them. We should not talk incessantly to them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. And now here's the line everyone wants to make believe doesn't exist. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness will make a skeptic out of anyone. I was going to say septic, but that's also true. <laughs> 10 or 20 years with sexualism will make a septic out of anyone. Um, I'll share it now. I was complaining about my wife to actually an AA old timer, but he's in, he's in our program also, but his main fellowship is AA. Okay. 51 years of sobriety. And AA. <laughs> and um, I was complaining about my wife and 
she's just so stubborn and she doesn't do Essanon and she never had, went through the steps with a sponsor. And he said to me a very powerful criticism, and it has to do with the tradition of attraction rather than promotion. If the only example of the 12 steps in action that your wife gets to see is you, why would she want that way of life? So she could turn out like you? So if you want to convince her that there's value in working the steps, why don't you show her what the steps look like in real life? And maybe when you become a powerful, uh, when you become a, an example of why someone should work the steps, not only will she want to work the steps, he told me, I bet you she'll want you to be the one to do it with her. Oh, come on. There's so many problems with that theory, I told him, <laughs> that I don't even know where to start. And besides, it's very inappropriate for me to work steps with my wife. That's not staying on my side of the street and blah, blah, blah. And it, he said, uh, you may be in a position where the only one that can help her is you. Well, 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 wasn't he the Italian prophet? Because one day my wife says to me, I don't really see people at my meetings who have your recovery. I said, what? She goes, I watch how you, you don't just work your steps, you live them. You, you've transformed. She says to me, I said, where, where are we going with this? She says, if you take me through the steps, then I'll do it. Are you freaking kidding me? So and then I remembered what this guy told me. I couldn't believe it. So I took a deep breath and I grabbed the 12 and 12. I said, all right, let's do it. And um, it's definitely been an interesting experience, but we've done a lot of step work over the last few years. And as recently as this week, we just finished step three in the 12 and 12 again. We read a little bit like we do here with the big book. And we, and we sit and we write and we share it. And she's, in, she's into it. Now, it certainly is not uh, traditional. You know, certainly not traditional. Um, but neither is my disease, you know. <laughs> and... Um, and it's exactly what the big book says. They will change in time. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. Okay. I'm just wondering if we should read the next paragraph. Let's read the next paragraph just to finish step nine in the big book. There may be some wrongs we can never fully write. Like, part of why I shared last week, part of why I pushed off my direct amends to my wife is because like, you can't, you cheat on your wife. How do you make amends for that? We don't worry about them if we can honestly say to ourselves that we would write them if we could. And again, that's step eight. We're willing to, we're back to step eight again. We're willing to make amends, but sometimes we just can't. Some people cannot be seen. We send them an honest letter. I've done that. I've, I've called people on the phone 
um, we send them an honest letter. There may be valid reasons for postponement in some cases, but we don't delay if it can be avoided. We should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. As God's people, we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before anyone. So the, they're just giving me the attitude that I'm supposed to keep in my head when I'm doing this work. I don't live in, I don't live in shame and, 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 and self-pity and self-hatred. I'm living in God's world now. I don't crawl before anyone. I don't, but I'm not arrogant. I'm, I'm sensible. I'm not stupid. And that's where sponsorship comes in and maybe therapy comes in. Make sure some of these amends are, you know, these are tricky. But even with my wife, I just talked about like sleeping on the couch. Like as God's people, I stand on my feet. That doesn't mean I'm arrogant. And I, and, and, and I say, well, this is my house and this is my room. I've tried it that way. It doesn't go well. Tact, uh, tactful, sensible, considerate, and humble. And humble. You know, uh, my wife will say, oh, I'm so sorry. I whatever, something that she didn't, she forgot to do, right? Humble for me means I can give her a hug. And even if it's something that I really would be upset about, I could remember, hmm, she has forgiven me for some things a lot worse than um, forgetting to put a fork in my salad that she made me when I went to work. She made the salad, but I'm angry about the fork. <laughs> Okay. Sometimes I'll even say it sarcastically and she understands what's happening. I'll say, um, okay, I forgive you this time. I say it in like a dramatic way where we both understand like, oh, thank you. You're so kind for forgiving me for this infraction, Mr. Uh, person who cheated on me, <laughs> you know? And then we both remember like, let's not forget where we come from. I'm done. I've shared everything I want to share on page 82 and 83. I do. Um, I, I still think we should take a few minutes to um, reflect on it. And then we'll, and then we'll uh, open it back up for sharing. Okay. Let's, let's do some more sharing. I just want to share one more thing before I give it to you. First of all, this reading is way, to me, way too important to be like a one-time reading. I feel like every, we really technically could break this reading down into half a paragraph, one or two sentences. We could probably have a topic meeting on 10 different ideas here. Um one of the things that we ask each other, I have, you know, the steel on steel group that I'm part of. So we have a list of questions that we ask each other. One of them is, are we praying the ninth step prayers daily? The ninth step prayers is this asking every morning in meditation that our creator show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. So while we were just meditating, I came up with a acronym not an acronym. There's a word for it. Like, like, like when it says, um, so for this example, how do I remember what the four things are? 
I realized I'm very thick-headed. So if, so if I want to remember how to do this, I need you to please tell it to me on a kindergarten level. Please tell it to me on a kindergarten level. Please, P, patience. Tell it to me, T, tolerance. A kindergarten, kindliness, level, love. Please tell it to me on a kindergarten level. Patience, tolerance, kindliness, and love. We'll see if this helps me remember what the four things are. And with that, I pass it over to you. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Thank you. Nice. Well, um, yeah, sexaholic. Um, yeah. Well, I'm saying Gidal sexaholic. This is important for me to remember. I'm the sexaholic. What hit me I was like in the beginning, the first part, first um, um, part is like, but he is yet a long way from making good to the wife and parents. It like it was like, excuse me, aren't they the cause of my addiction? Isn't the trauma my dysfunctional home? Like parents, like what do you mean? They're the problem. They still are a problem. I, I was like very disturbed by these words, parents. Um, I, I, like I never thought of something that I, I mean. Of course, am I? Ninth step, my parents came in. Of course, I have to make amends, whatever. But, you know, I know and you know that they're the problem. Um, and talking about living amends, the parents come in. And I I was very shocked. And, um, yeah, it just hit me. just hit me that I... Um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter... Um, but even even let's say I'm not going to get into this if it is their fault, not their fault. Even let's say it is their fault, whatever fault. I mean, not about blame, but the point is, uh, you know, it's part of my cycle and part of my trauma and blah, 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 blah. The fact of the matter is we put away in the ninth step, we put away all the wrong other people have done to me. And I focus on what I've done wrong to them. And there's no doubt about it. The fact that I'm a sexaholic the fact that I have been busy with stuff, um, you know, I love the way they, they said it. I was involved and I was mixed up. I was mixed up with women in a fashion I wouldn't care to have advertised. Um, the fact that I was mixed up with women, um, and not, you know, there's nothing wrong with being mixed up with women, but mixed up with women in a fashion that I wouldn't want to advertise. Um, it, it, that's an issue. And that affected um, the way I was a child to my parents. Um, I don't know, recently, whatever, I don't like to say this on recording, but whatever. My father's really complicated. Okay. So, But I still, you know, even though he, he has his issues and it's hard for me to, to connect with him, but it's still me as a child. I still, uh, whatever, doesn't matter what his complication is. I still um, need to show up as a child. And, 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 and it, it's hard for me sometimes to call him. I have to have the right time. I have to, have the right, I have to be in the right mindset. It was the other day. It was I think it was Sunday. I, I called him. 
and I spoke to him. My wife was sleeping, and she came out. And I wasn't really saying anything. I was basically, whatever. She only was like three minutes into the, she heard of the conversation. And it was an hour conversation, probably. And I put down the phone. She's like, who's that, your father? I said, yeah. How did you know? She's like, I don't know. There's something on your face when you talk to your father. I knew you're talking to your father. Like I said, I didn't say anything that, you know, like that you can realize. I knew because I was basically finishing off the conversation. It wasn't that. No, I knew you're talking to your father. But that's how much, like, it shows on me. And that's how much of an effort it is for me to talk to him. But yet still, when reading this, I realized that, no, I do have responsibility as my ninth step to be, you know, part of my living amends is to be there as a child. And no matter how hard it is for me, I'm not saying I need to, you know, I have to whatever, be sensible, tactful, and considerate about myself too. But yet still, I need to realize there is someone out there that I owe an amends to, even though, you know, whatever. That was a very powerful thing that I realized. Um, then I, I, I want to, I, the, there's two parts in which really, um, we must take the lead, but living amends to the family, we must take the lead. Um, I cannot be passive. You know, it's very nice. My wife says, go here, go there. Um, you traumatized me, stay away, give me my space, whatever. It's very nice to be. But there's a concept of taking the lead, which I realized one, at one point in my, in my living amends, I realized that not only she should be one, the one telling me that I should take my space, but I realized I, I, need to, I needed to learn and study and see and understand who my wife is so, and what triggers her and what, when she needs her space. So sometimes she doesn't even have to tell me that she needs her space. I just know it myself because I take the lead. And not only that, at many, many times I tell her, I, I, I think Khandavar, you need your space. I, I, I think you need whatever, like in, in many things. And she's like, yeah, you're right. Like I take the lead and I'm there for her. I'm not passive. I'm not like, she throws me around like a, like I could be doing the same thing, but it's like I'm the man here. I'm not the victim. And I, I think many, many people have a hard time with, with, with living amends because they stay the, the bad guy. It, it not, not so much to their wives, but more to themselves. They stay the bad guy. Mm. And, 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 and like he ends up. As God's people, we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before anyone. That's the right. last words we read. They right. crawl. They're like the bad people. Oh, I have to make living amends because I messed up. I'm the bad person. I'm the bad person. It's really not about that. And that's counterproductive. That's, that, that, that's like a bad nine step. It's like nine step gone wrong. It, it, like it's the worst thing you could do to your wife is be the, the, the passive bad person because, you know, women do want a man to be there for them, most women. That's, that, that's how God created the nature of women. Um, whatever. I don't want to know. I don't want to get very, like, uh, I don't want to, um, you know, in today's world, you're not allowed to say that, but, but whatever. 
Man are create men are created that the lady depends on the man. It's just the way God created it. Okay, people want to change it, good for them. I, I don't care. It's not my business. But like for me and my wife, I'm living with a lady. She doesn't want to be a man, and she's not interested in being a man. So if I'm living with a lady, that's I got to take the lead, and I cannot be the victim. And I cannot be, you're um, not the victim. I cannot be the bad guy. I can't be crawling, crawling. I have to take the lead. And that's so important for me. And what really helped me, and I'm just going to share this very, very, in a very, very briefly. I sexually abused my wife in my sleep. I was sleeping, 100% sleeping. It's part of my trauma. Trauma repeats itself in the sleep, probably. I'm not 100% sure, you know, but this is what the therapists feel happened. Um, and I was sexually abused as a child, and I repeated my trauma in my sleep, and I sexually abused my wife. At one point, my wife couldn't sleep, and we spoke about the fact that maybe I should leave the house for the night, because it has been over a week that she hasn't slept. Um, and I remember, I reached out to an old-timer, and the old-timer told me, Unfortunately, your wife is going, she's like turning psychotic from all this trauma. And it's even dangerous for you to leave the house and leave your children with her because she's not emotionally stable. And, and he told me, do not leave, do not leave. And I remember listening to him, hearing what he says. I didn't dismiss it. But then I was talking to my wife and she was not in psychotic. She was ain't crazy. She was very normal, very grounded. She couldn't, she wasn't sleeping for a week. And I left the house. And I remember talking to my sponsor. And I told my sponsor, like, she's not crazy. She's not crazy. I mean, she's just not sleeping. And my sponsor told her, look, it's, uh, I told you to reach out to this old timer. It's not something I can talk about. You know, like, I can't, I don't understand these things. I don't know what he's talking about, but... Like, listen, you got to do what you got to do. And I left the house. I took the lead. I took the lead, but not in an arrogant way, but in a, in a humble way of taking the lead and in and, 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 and a very, um, whatever. I know it's a very sensitive thing because, you know, like when you, like, it's basically, it sounds, I don't want to encourage people not to listen to their sponsor, not to listen to old timers. That's not the point. The point is, I have to be a man. I can't be like, the, uh, okay, the old timer told me to do this. I'll do this. I'll do that. I, I got to hold it. I got to own it. I got to own my living amen. And the reason why it was so easy for me to do it because I was sleeping and I knew that I am not responsible, I was able to take responsibility because it's still something I did, even though I was sleeping, but it was still something I did. So I was responsible to take care of whatever needs to be taken care of that needs to be done. And I remember sharing with people that I'm sleeping and I slept out of the house from almost nine months. I was out of the house. Um, I was on the couch for another two years, probably, until we felt comfortable. I used to say it until my wife felt comfortable. She'd come back into the bedroom. But at this point, I realized that it wasn't about my wife. It was about we felt comfortable that I should go back into the bedroom. And 
and I remember sharing with people, people used to get so angry. What do you mean? But you're sleeping. What do you mean? And you're sober, but you're sober. They were getting angry. I wasn't getting angry because I was, I was totally cool with the fact that I did this in my sleep. And even though I was sleeping, I am still responsible because it's an action I did. And I could hold the responsibility without any guilt and any shame. So, when I realized that, I realized the same thing goes with my addiction. If I truly believe in my first step and my powerlessness and my, that this is a disease and blah, 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 I can hold the responsibility without guilt and shame, without crawling before anyone. I could stand on my feet and I can own my sexaholism and I can own my, all the damage I did. And it's just very, very easy to make amends, to make living amends, and to hold it, and to own it, and to take the lead. It's not shameful. It's not. I'm not putting myself down. And 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 you know, the discussion before, and I don't want to reference too much about this on recording, but the discussion we had before, you know, that's why people sometimes have such a hard time and think that I'm the, you know. They put that I'm under the 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 the, the, the raw or whatever, like I'm in the doghouse or whatever. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm taking the lead. I'm happy with it. I'm comfortable with it. I feel like a man. I don't feel like a victim. So yeah, thanks for letting me share. Oh my God, you know you are fire today. <laughs> I want to have a whole nother meeting and just just. I, I unfortunately time will not allow it. Seven thirty, and I didn't even realize for a moment I wasn't muted before. I was, I was reacting on the, on unmuted, to things you were saying, and then I realized that I muted myself. But every word, I mean, from the talking about parents and family, to um, you know, we must we must take the lead as God's people. We don't crawl before anyone. And I'm glad I said the set aside prayer because I learned something new today. I really do want to put more thought into this idea of amends to my family. I don't mean my wife, my parents. And I do, I do feel like I do have a living amends with them because I definitely, you know, if, if you, if I put this reading into context of my siblings, my parents, putting aside their wrongs, right? They may have defects that are glaring. And in their case, it wasn't because they lived with me. I certainly was a difficult child. I certainly added white hairs to their heads and wrinkles to their foreheads and, and, and uncountable trips to the principal's office. What, you know, and, and I was a full-time job. And by the way, I have siblings, especially my younger siblings. I, I was not an easy sibling to be, uh, to be in the family with. And I, and I can appreciate that today because I took a lot of space. I was an attention seeker, even outside of sexualism, just in terms of stealing the limelight. And I wish I could have a, uh, an honest conversation with my siblings. Like, tell me what it was really like. Push right to the front. You know, what, what was it really like having me as an older sibling who pushed my way to the front? They won't. I've tried. I did my ninth step 
nah, it was fun. It was this. And what was it really like that my parents had to give me all the attention, you know, and they, the good kids got ignored. So these are things that maybe direct demands won't do justice to it. But maybe the next time I see them, I could make living amends by taking interest in their families. Hey, how's it going? How's your job? How are your kids? What's new? You know, the parts of their lives that were ignored because my parents were always at the principal's office or driving me to therapy. So that's something that that was uh, you brought up at the beginning of your share. And, and then this other thing, you know, when I must take the lead, I love what you said about like, own it, make amends for it. And, I, and it's not because I'm a bad guy. Muted again. I'm on my phone. I, while we were talking, I got a text about living amends with the family. I'm kidding you not. It says, it feels, the text said, how do I make sense out of this? It feels very Christian. Like now I must suffer for my sins. And I texted back, um, I'll send you a recording later. And I meant this recording. So the person who's listening to this recording now knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> we're not, and it's what you were talking about. We're not suffering for our sins. We're just make. we're just setting things right. And as God's people, we don't crawl before anyone. We hold our heads up high knowing that we're on a journey. So amazing. So amazing. Um, I need to go because I'm needed at home and it's 7.35. So let's close out. Let's say the serenity prayer. God grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change. The courage to change the things that we can and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not ours, be done. All right. Thanks, Edel. I'll talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, bye. Thanks. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.